This episode of the Italian Wine Podcast is brought to you by the new book, Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories. Researchers Attilio Scienza and Serena Mazio explore the origin and ancestry of European grape varieties in a tale of migration, conquest, exploration, and cross-cultural exchange. Hardback available on Amazon in Europe, Kindle version available worldwide. Find out more at italianwinebook.com. Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is Julia Coney. Julia is based in Washington, D.C. Yes. Okay. How did you get into wine and what do you do? Well, I write about wine. Um, I got into wine from an attorney I used to work with. I used to be a paralegal. Oh, really? Okay, yes. go on. And what's that? What's, what is a paralegal? You assist attorneys. You handle documents, all the files, like just keep everything kind of a well oil machine. Okay, so where were you doing that? In Houston, because I'm from Houston, but I live in D.C. So that's te- your te- Texan then? Texan, yes, through and through. So hang on, how did you, just wind back that, so you were born and raised there? I was born in Louisiana, which is kind of like next to Texas. Okay, so you were born in Louisiana, grew up in Texas. Texas. Yes. Then you became a paralegal. Yes. It sounds very kind of like... um Kind of like a very a job with a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility, but I got to travel the world. It was a lot of fun too, so I can I have to admit that. So, what was it? What was a typical day to day there? Well, you know, emails, lots of copies. This is like, so like emailing what judges or lawyers, emailing or? other lawyers with documents, reviewing documents, making sure all the cases filed. So it was a lot of handling of paper, a lot of like making sure everything flowed together, filing documents with the court. Then you would go to trial. So I went to trial a lot in different places and understanding that. So you know, sixteen hour days some days almost 20 hour days so you're you're the person that makes sure that a case runs smoothly because if documents are missing exactly. the key to the yes, case I'm the key to the gates so you but you're not advocating for one side or another you're just lawyers that are involved in case you're getting all the stuff that they need and yes well each you know each team has a side so we all had our own side but I just hand I handled a lot of paper in terms of your that particular job I mean if is there any opportunity for you to do anything naughty and that you would get in trouble or not or just incompetence yeah but I wouldn't do anything naughty no, I, know I, <laughs> I know you would. But, but you could it was a lot of fun though I learned a lot I had I still keep in touch with a lot of those people. I made great friends for life. So, But also the skills, I think, helped me in what I do now. So what skills did you learn from that then, apart from organizational? Or, that's the best thing, to be organized, to yeah. actually read every single thing, to read it sometimes twice, sometimes three times, and to actually think about it before you answer. And also think about everything you're going to do will have a repercussion, right or wrong, nothing bad. But that So were these, were these civil cases or um, criminal cases? Civil. Okay. So there's a lot of fine margins in terms of documents yes. and words. Matter. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Those type of things. So, and um, obviously you're writing as well, so you've got a, a superb grasp of, of language in terms yes. of... The... and I also have a degree in English. Okay, so, so where did yes. you get that one from then? University of Houston. Okay, Yes. all right, so how did you get into... First of all, you got into beauty. You had a beauty blog, is that right? Yes, I had a beauty blog. So how did you jump from paralegalism to beauty Beauty tips? was a hobby. Somebody told me I should start a beauty blog because I was traveling to France every year to get facials. Just to get a facial? Just to get a facial. I mean, I, I traveled to eat and drink, but it was like also to get a facial. So why for, Why couldn't you get a decent facial in the States? They're just different. They're decent in the States, but they're very different. Go on. Is European it, skincare is very different. It's a lot more about... In the States, everything was makeup at that time, and skincare was second, where 
whereas in Europe, skincare is a big deal and makeup is, yes, there's makeup, but it's always second. Yeah, I have to say you look absolutely radiant. Thank you. It's really? Right. Yeah, thank you. I do a lot of work for it. Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I wouldn't, you probably got a lot of practice, but. Uh, a lot, yeah, a lot of practice. So you, and cut, I'm not a fashion, you look at me, I'm, I, my, I'm not, a, I'm, my, not my, my you sh- not, I'm not a fashion person, sorry for saying, I like to be nicely dressed, but that's about it. But beauty was like the thing. I, I feel really underdressed next year. My shirt is hanging <laughs> out. It's not properly ironed. It's a classic man ironing. I do the ironing. Oh my God. So okay. wrinkles, I do apologize. <laughs> it's very sort your sartorial <laughs> elegance. Okay, so why did you start writing and when? 2006, I started the blog in March of 2006, and it was a hobby, and I was still doing the paralegal work. I enjoyed it, and so as I did that, I was just, it became, the blog became bigger. So in 2006, blogs weren't what they, what they are now, and so in 2008, the blog really took off. So that was on beauty, though, wasn't All on it? beauty. But I, my background in beauty was, like, scientific, so I'm very curious about what ingredients are in things, and definitely ingredients in fragrance. Fragrance is still very hard for me not to wear fragrance when I write talk about wine. Not to, yeah, oh, I see, because it, it will... It will yeah. hinder, but I still love fragrance. And so I, I'm fascinated with flowers, the elegance of fragrance. So when I think of wine, I think of fragrance first. I always think of, like, not just like, oh, it has cherries, but what flowers it also has. Because a lot of wines, you have hints of violets, hints of jasmine, but they don't really come across the same way. It's like citrus, right? When we say citrus, it's... Is it dried citrus? Is it, you know, peel? Is it actually the juice? So I think of it in those terms, and I always refer to fragrance in learning how to really smell fragrance to understand wine. So you the same with food. I mean, when, when you're in a restaurant and someone puts the, the plate that you've ordered on the I table. I smell, yeah, I smell it first. And what about humans? No. I, I kind of like, oh, my God, did <laughs> I, I have a chef? I humans first. <laughs> I think because sometimes it's, it's, it's why everybody likes truffles, right? When it, when you smell a truffle in a, or the shaman, it's just a sensory overload, right? You don't know what to do. It's the same with, like, cheese or, with like, you get a, a great dish. That, to me, is how wine relates, right? But I also think, like, okay, I can't wear fragrance in taste wine, but I always relate wine to fragrance in some type of way. And so eventually the blog was becoming a job and I had a job. So I had to decide which job I wanted to do. Okay. And you chose? I quit my job, my law firm job in 2010 to go freelance. Was that, it must've been a little bit scary. I imagine, you know, for the job that you had, you were surviving. Very secure. Yeah. Very secure. And it was very scary. It's still sometimes I always think like, oh, it's very different, you know. But I've been doing it now freelance nine years, and I'm very, I'm very grateful. I've had some great people behind me and helping me, and especially making a transition from beauty to wine, like I did in 2016. So why did you make that transition? You just wanted to try something new? Or? No, I just started thinking I was 43, and I wanted to my next act to finally be in food and wine. And I always say food and wine go together, but I think the industry also keeps them very separate. Yeah. Either you into wine or you're into food. It's like you can't almost be into both. And I don't know anybody who's not into food that's not into maybe wine a little bit or people who are into wine that's not into food. So I'm always like, they're one in the same to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I have to f- confess, I mean, my knowledge of food is, is pretty limited, even though I, mean, I know what I like and mm-hmm. very lucky I live in Tuscany, so I've been exposed and traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. But people say, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh, I can't really remember. But they asked me the wine. I can tell you exactly what I drank last night. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, I'm, in the, I'm in the demographic that would need your help. Well, I wake up and have breakfast thinking about lunch. I have lunch thinking about dinner. <laughs> like I 
I do. Like, and I'm thinking, like, what am I going to make with that? What am I going to drink with dinner? It's I don't know. I, I think they go together. So when you're out shopping for produce or produce, mm-hmm. how fussy are you? I'm very fussy. I mean, you literally go around like... like I love grocery stores. Nosing, nosing everything. Yes, I know. I smell. I look. I kind of hold things up to the light. I'm, I'm very picky about, like, produce and vegetables. And I'm spoiled in that way. But I, I imagine you're the person that really would interact with the person selling. You know, where's it from? And yeah. Oh, I ask all You're not just going to pick it up and weigh no. it and, and pay your dollar no. and, and off no. you go. No, I go through, like, I touch every garlic clove. I have to, like, see how tight it is because sometimes they're loose. It's a process. Do you, have you ever had your own vegetable garden? Have you ever been able to have that? I don't that? have time. My husband and I tried, and we just couldn't take care of it because I was I was never around. What does he do? He works in tech. Oh, you tech? Yeah, he works in IT. Okay, and is he, is he kind of, like, got an artistic side, or is he just a techie? No, he just he just drinks whatever I Opposites attract. Yes, yes. He drinks beer, and then I tell him to taste the wine, and he's like, okay. Okay, but if he turns up with, say, a fast food burger, for example, do you do you frown or do you say, well... Oh, no, no. I'm an equal opportunity eater. <laughs> <laughs> I like fancy food. I like... I'm equal opportunity. I don't judge. I don't judge people's food choices. Okay. I mean, sometimes you just want a fast food burger. Yeah, sometimes you want some comfort. We call it comfort food. Comfort food, yes. Okay, so you talk on your blog of... of, um, Now I see why you call it a métier. Explain to me, why do you you use that? Métier is a study, right? So I always tell myself I'm constantly studying to be better. I'm naturally curious. So I'm one of those people, if I... It's like a dog with a bone. If I get an idea, I'm down a rabbit hole. And it's the same with wine. Because wine is a rabbit hole. I tell people this all the time. Everyone comes to wine from different... Like, I don't come from a family that drinks. Nobody in my family really drinks, but I have a job now that I drink for a living. Was that for religious reasons? Or no, just, just they just they didn't, didn't like the taste. Yeah, okay. Never, and they never judged it. Oh, I like wine. And, oh, I was into wine. But I think that when you sit down, right, and you have this glass, there's so much to talk about in it. So it's, I'm naturally curious, okay, also, where does it come from? I believe in voting with dollars. Like, who are the producers? Who am I helping? Are there workers getting in the vineyard? Are they getting adequate pay? I think of all that when I buy wine. And I think that a lot more people are really concerned with that. I think as we look at the changes in the wine industry, what is happening globally, climate-wise, we all have to realize we are trying to make it for the next generations to come. But the one thing that's very interesting is like we always talk about like, oh, wine, but we talk about the lack of diversity in a lot of industries. But the wine world, I think the problem with the lack of diversity is we don't talk about inclusion. Yeah. So we're always like, oh, we're, we're, we're trying to be diverse, but we're not including everyone that's different in that conversation. Yeah. So that's why I write about that and I talk about it. And I think you also have to not just talk about it in terms of wine, just in terms of life and culture. So I'm like reading an art section in a newspaper because all of it connects. Instead of like one is separate, we're all t- parts of the same moving vehicle. Yeah, I mean, that is a, you've highlighted two massive issues. I mean, our industry is hideously white. That's the first thing that's undeniable. And the second issue is worker safety and Mm -hmm. um, workers' rights. And I'm not saying everywhere. Um, Some countries are better regulated in terms of, you know, minimal conditions and and food breaks or maternity breaks. But, I mean, temporary workers, which is in California, is the main um, majority of workers in vineyards are, are, don't have fixed contracts. And, um, you know, in terms of their future when they retire, if they ever get to retire, 
is not always assured. Yes. And um, when we see wines that are sold for a ridiculous amount of money, you know, we never really, we, we ask ourselves what's, what terroir was it from, how long was the red wine on skins, that yes. kind of stuff. What we don't say is uh, how many dollars per hour the people who pick who this stuff, stuff yeah. make. And also, are they able to not just stay pickers, right? Can they evolve and work for the company? Like, how does that work? And so I understand the industry is notoriously white. That, that, yeah. that, that happens. It is what it is. But how the perception of other people who are not white in the industry, and that's a lot of problems with the with the wine industry that I talk about, is this everybody judges, right? And right, we all have implicit bias. Everyone has implicit bias. But when it affects another person's livelihood, how is that affected? Or it affects another person because you can't get past what you've been told or what you've heard or what you said because words mean things. And I think in this industry, that's changing and it has to change, right? But is it changing fast enough, though? And what could we do to make that change? It's, it's not changing fast enough. And I think the problem of it is everybody's talking and no doing. And it has to be, we have to take the blinders off because also at the end of the day, we're, tr- we're in a business to sell. We're in a service business. So our job is to serve. And that job is to also make green. We need to make money. Right. But the problem of it is we have to get rid of some of the old ways, some of the things that are being said. And I'm specifically talking about in the U.S., like the assumptions that people want professionals make to me, you know, all the time. Like I thought all black people like sweet wine and they'll say that and they won't think anything of it when I challenge them on it or they get offended. But why were you getting offended when you just offended me? So we have to have these uncomfortable conversations. For but people how do you listen. say to the, how do you say to them? You know what is your advocacy? What how would you say your assumption? You made an assumption there, and I'm just going to tell you why you're wrong. That's what I how do you, say. How would how do you what do you say to? to I people? always tell them. I said, where do you get this from? Yeah. What, date? Where, where did you read this? Where's are the data? Going, yeah. Are you going by what you assume? Are you going by maybe you watched a hip hop video? What are you going by? Where are you getting this information? And if you can't tell me, I can go find it. Then that is a problem. So now we have to say. You can't say that anymore. And a lot of them are like, oh, I never thought about it. They just made the assumption because somebody else probably made the assumption. So they assume and everybody keeps assuming without change. So I always say, please go back and tell whoever you're talking to that, please, that's not that's not true. And, you know, usually they'll, you know, people will come to me and go, OK, I thought I thought about it. And we'll go start an email conversation. Right. And we'll be able to have a good conversation. But then I'll get people who tell me, oh, you need to quit whining about race because no one cares about about race and wine. And that just happened. Somebody sent me an email last month and told me that. But then he said, well, I'm an Italian-American. So when I responded back to him, I said, well, you identify with your nationality. Why? Can't, how can you say that? You didn't say you're an American. You said you're an Italian-American first. Like, so think about what you wrote me and then think about why it's not okay for you to say that to me. Yeah, it's kind of almost, he's kind of um, making himself look very silly, you know, because exactly as you pointed out, and I think the way you probably dealt with that is is um, without shouting, just say, just have a look at yourself and then get back to me. He didn't get back to me. Yeah. No response. No, no, no polemics or anything like that. No, no. So he was a guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. a wine director, actually, of a big wine company, wine restaurant group in, in the States. We'll get right back to the Italian Wine Podcast after a quick reminder that this episode is made possible by the book Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories, available on Amazon in Europe and Kindle Worldwide. 
But I mean, on your, I mean, on your website, for example, I mean, you know, obviously you're, you're writing down your thoughts about tastes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the advocacy side of you, the the thing that you that comes through from talking to you yes. was were these issues um, rather than whether Cabernet Sauvignon tastes of black currants or red currants. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I think because no one was talking about it in the industry, and I just came from a professional side of beauty, and I go into the wine industry, and I'm like, holy moly! Like I didn't say that, said the S word. But I'm like, I'm looking at it like, what is the problem? Like where, and just so much was said to me that started in 2017 that I was so shocked. And I was like, okay, the winery has a problem, but no one wants to address it. But what about other industries, say the fashion industry where, you know, they could have issues with the age of models or Mm -hmm. how the models are treated. Yes. Do you think that same prejudice is as strong there or they bury the prejudice because they know that if they put a picture of Naomi Campbell on on the front of the magazine, they're going to sell more dresses, for example. Yes, but I think they also are addressing it now. I think we live in an age where a lot of people have voices. The it, social media has allowed people to say things, that, and we hold people accountable now that before I don't think we did. When things happen... So like Me Too, for I mean, that's an ex- yes. egregious ex- example of, exactly. of, of bad treatment. A bad treatment. No, people are not taking it anymore. And also, too, when we think about wine and we think about advertising in wine, don't you want to see yourself represented? Yeah. Like, I do. I mean, I look at a lot of ads, and not necessarily like as per magazines, but as on websites yeah. for wineries. I'm t- I'm and I'm always shocked. I'm always, in 2019, you have, and you'll say we just updated our site, and you have everybody who's a size zero, right. everybody who's blonde, no one who is brown, and but then you want some, someone like me to mention your wine, or I don't want to mention your wine. Your, why would I mention your wine when I send people look like me to the website? They don't see themselves. They don't see anybody brown. That's a problem. They don't see them by age. We got to talk about the ageism. Right? Not necessarily a bad thing, but everything is like, well, we have to worry about the millennials and how do you attract the millennials and the next, you know, the whatever before the next generation after millennials what about the people like me who have disposable income to buy the wine we're missing no one talks about the 35 to 55 that is where the money is but everyone's like oh we got to worry about the young people yes we do see in some ways it's it's like the the kind of the golf club the first person of color that joins the golf club yes. is, is I don't know, ostracized or whatever there's there's that sort of uncomfortable uncomfortable thing and and um, I've scratching my head to think of I and mean, I've lived in the states twice Wine adverts with a person of colour. I've never, mm-hmm. ever seen one. I can't remember that I've seen. I, honestly, I just don't think I've never seen one. I mean, There's, advertising wine. No, not advertising wine. Never seen one. No, no, they're not advertising wine. You know, wine. pretty young things that are white or or people maybe my age that are white. Yes, beautiful vistas. Yeah. A beautiful tablescape. Yeah. And you look at it and I'm going... Where who was on who was on this marketing campaign, right? Who was on this marketing campaign? Because if you think about like fashion now, they're slowly changing, right? Mm-hmm. But that's going to like the bigger houses, and it's always the ones that are lesser. I'm always thinking like, who are you targeting? Even if now, because what's the first thing people look at for advertising right now? Instagram. We look at social media first in a different way because a lot of people aren't buying print editions of magazine. Yeah. But if you look at websites, social media. I mean, and they're in, primarily Instagram, which is just vi- photos and videos. It doesn't reflect a lot, you know, what what the world looks like. And pretty much not, if you, especially if you're trying to target the United States. Because the United States, we have a history of race. And it's really tough. Right? It's really tough. I'm, but the problem is we have that issue. 
and every other country also feeds off that issue. So in their mind, I think they might be thinking, why should I bother? But it's, at the end of the day, dollars, yeah, money. But I mean, so that's so short-sighted, though, because you're only focusing on one, quotes demographic, aren't you? Yes. And you're alienating... You're alienating a lot of people who yeah. want to. And also, that's, I think, the rise of private clubs, right? Uh, private wine clubs where people can order wine to their home in the States because they don't they don't feel, a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to a winery. They don't feel comfortable going out to visit a winery because they feel they're going to be judged, which nine times out of ten they are. It happens to me, and I work in the business. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, mean I don't bring a famous wine writer, but imagine a famous female wine writer turns up at a winery and says, ooh, you're white. You know, can't have you here. Remember if the, well, if the, table, well, if the, table, if the tables were turned. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've had people say, oh, I didn't expect you to be black. <laughs> I mean, it could. But how do you do it? How do you reply? Oh, I well, you. I am. <laughs> no, I just say, I didn't expect you to be an asshole. <laughs> that's just, just like, it, just, I don't know what to say to that. because well, That's a good way of kind of, yeah. Diffusing it because, and then this. Hitting the nail on the head. And yeah. then I can say, why would you think that? Like, you know, oh, well, you know, your name. And then it goes back to, are we talking names? And it's always a, a different level of things. Yeah. So I'm actually okay with having a very uncomfortable conversation and actually talking it through because I think that's the way you have to do some people want to talk, some people don't. But more want to talk than not. That's what I'm finding. More people want to talk, and they really want a solution. And I think it becomes when you're maybe even they're doing college tours and they're going to campuses, if they're looking at marketing, and you really see that everybody in this room looks like me, then we have to find somebody that doesn't. You need two things. You need, um, you know, people start appealing to certain demographics because mm-hmm. only seeing the economic benefit rather than the social benefit or the, or the common sense benefit, then that's obviously another problem potentially, isn't it? Yes. Got to, got, people have got to do it wholeheartedly and for the right reasons. And for the so, right reasons, because you, if you walk, especially in the United States, depends on where you live. I can't say from, but Washington, D.C., major cities, you walk around, you see so many colors of people walking around, all different colors, all different shapes. That's not what we see in this industry and many other industries. So it's understanding that the people who are responsible for that need to say, okay, how do I put other people in the room? I may not know them, but somebody knows somebody. Especially once again, the way social is connected. We're all connected to somebody. Hmm. So it's using that and figuring that out. Yeah, I mean, the irony of Washington, D.C. is the seat of the government. And I don't know what the, exactly what the demographics are, but if you look at the Senate and the, your, yeah. your, your politicians are majority white. Yes, but the politicians come from the other states. Yeah, right. They don't, yeah. They don't really exactly. come from so they, in, But in general, that building, what's inside the building, what's the people making the laws, is not representative of, uh, of the demographics of the USA. No. So and that's another reason why, you know, an uphill struggle in terms of electoral representation mm-hmm. that has to be one way where things will change and it's probably going to be an extraordinarily slow road given the, how the electoral system works in America uh, yes, where white yes. rural America has more v- power per vote, vote than, per vote than the bigger yeah. cities that actually has more people so so yeah. it's, in a way it's kind of the way that you're doing it is not via politics but by via personal contact and personal um, education via your website and what you do but that's why I like to speak to people and mm-hmm. I think we've got you know sometimes you can get lost in emails and but I also always believe, like, human contact, human interaction will change things. And it's conferences like this. I mean, it's one of those things, why would people want to work in our industry, too? I can say it's fun, but unless I mentor someone else to come along, which is my job now, which is, as Yannick said, my social responsibility, I have to do that. So I'm hoping that in the next five years, I see it easier for a lot of people. Okay. And on that note? On that note? Yeah. It's been great to meet you. Thank you. We should have some wine. Yeah, it's a little bit early. It's what half past uh, half past ten uh, in the just morning. Just a little bit. It's been fine. You've got a such a, a bubbly personality. Is not what I want to say. It's um, you've got real presence. Thank you. 
the way that you project your authority in a, in a, and you do it in an incredibly soft, friendly, logical way um, that you are the kind of person that could just disarm your enemy with just a couple of words and just say, why are you being such an idiot? Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? You're right. I had to work rather, on that. Rather, yeah, I know. But rather than who the hell are you telling me to do? Da, da, <laughs> no. da, 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 da. So and when you say you had to work on that, what do you mean? But I have four older brothers. so Four older brothers? Uh, yeah, I'm the baby. So you, we always had to talk our conflict through. And my parents would, like, talk it through. And I've learned to see every person for who they are because everyone has a different personality and you have to go at each person very differently. So I learned that growing up. Like one, I dealt with one brother one way and, and it's just logical, like family arguments, family disagreements, and that's what we do. We just talk it through and figure it out so no one gets a hot head. It's, it's practice. Yeah, your parents seemed like very good people. They were very good people, yeah. What, what did they do? What was their background? My dad was a the first black U.S. Marshal for the state of Texas. In state of Texas? <laughs> yes. Wow, that's yeah, a back. pretty... That's and my a... mom was a teacher, so yeah. And I come from people who believe in helping other people. So my dad, we always had, we were at a house that had everybody over. Like if a kid, my parents knew that kid was didn't have like Christmas presents, they bought them presents. We were that, we were just that family. And I come from people who are like, your job is to help someone else. No matter what you do, that is your job. That is the reason you're on this planet. So just to get one little segue, when um, we'd obviously never met before until about, I don't know, 25 minutes ago. 20, yeah. And um, we spotted each other. It's a big conference, a lot of mm-hmm. people. And the first thing that happened was I just got embraced by you. Never met me before, never spoken to me before. Yeah, uh, that's me. And it's like, okay, this is going to be a great interview. Because I, I just like, I like people. Yeah. And my, my, I am a hugger, so I'm a naturally hugger per, per type person. I like, I'm a touchy-feely person, as yeah. we like to say. So I always try to make somebody feel wel- welcome. And that's just, you know, it's also Southern hospitality. Well, you're very welcome to come back anytime you want. Thank you been absolutely inspirational it's a great you're such a personality great sense of humor um you see everything in proportion and um you don't scream and shout you just say there's a way of getting around this it's going to take time but we can do it if we all pull together we all got to pull together we got one planet one planet super brilliant thank you inspirational thank you yeah we wish we had more time actually but if we can hook up at some stage over the next day and a bit yeah be great give us a hug all right thank you Mm -hmm. thank you brother Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Judy. Oh, thank you. I wish you every success and safe travels back to the States. Uh, yeah, that's the part of, only part I hate. Don't give up. I hate to travel. Yeah. I hate to fly. That's yeah. like, it's just, I really hate to fly. Don't give up on what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Judy. you. Thank you. Listen to all of our pods on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and on ItalianWinePodcast.com. Don't forget to send your tweets to at Eta Wine Podcast. <laughs>